Good evening, and welcome to the evening sermon stream here at Forest Heights Baptist Church. Uh, before I pass it over to Brother Mark, I do just have a couple quick announcements. Uh, first, if you need any assistance during this time, uh, please be sure to reach out to the church. Uh, if you're a member, you can reach out to your deacon. Otherwise, you can contact the church either on Facebook or by sending us an email to info at fhbcathens.org. Uh, now, before I pass it over to Brother Mike, uh, let's have a quick word of prayer. Uh, hey, God, I just thank you for this day and this wonderful opportunity that we have just to be able to come together as a body of believers and just listen to your word. Um, I pray that you would just be with Brother Mike as uh, he brings the message, God. Just let the words flow from you through him into our hearts, God. And uh, just let our hearts be prepared for the message that you have for us. Uh, God, I pray for this nation with everything that's going on, God, that you would just give us a heart of love and compassion and that instead of criticizing or going to violence, God, that we would just be able to love each other and be able to show that love no matter what the color of someone's skin is or whatever, anything else, God, that we would just love each other like you commanded us, God. Um, Again, I just want to lift up uh, the rest of the service, God. If there are any prayer requests that uh, that anybody that's listening to this may have, God, I just pray that you would just be with those requests in a special way. Uh, we love you and we praise you. It's on your son's name that I pray. Amen. We're looking in First Thessalonians, and we're continuing with the message that has been going on for about a couple of weeks. We'll begin reading in verse 1 once again, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, His choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith towards God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us, what kind of a reception we had with you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead. That is Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for what You're going to do as far as speak through the message and the messen use the messenger. And I just pray that God, you will, and that your grace and its sufficiency will be used in, in reaching our lives and touching our minds and our hearts in such a way that our lives will be touched forever changed for your glory, for your kingdom's sake. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The church in Thessalonians, 
or Thessalonica, excuse me, was a church that was a model church. And it was a church that was a genuine church. It was a church that was a pattern church, a church that people saw and they imitated other believers who they saw that were genuine and true, like Paul and Silvanus and Timothy. And so in turn, when they became converted, they saw this newness, this change of life, and they wanted to be the same kind of people that presented a life change where Christ was evident in their living and the way that they acted and everything that they did. They were genuine. It kind of reminds me, uh, you know, a story that I heard about a gentleman that uh, was in our church who made a lot of trips to uh, the Virgin Islands. And, and uh, he, uh, as he was down there one day, he came back uh, and uh, I was serving on staff in this church. And the pastor noticed this guy had a Rolex watch on. And he said, man, that is a nice, expensive watch. He said, boy, I'd really like to have one of those. And he said, well, it's not as expensive as you think. This is not a real Rolex. It has Rolex on it, but it's not a genuine Rolex. There's a lot of churches that don't characterize the genuineness of being a true church, a church that is Christ-like. But this church did. It was a real thing. So we've, we've looked at this church. It was a transformed church. It's a church that had changed and was being changed. It was being conformed to the image of Christ. And not only that, but it was because it was a transformed church, it was elect church. In other words, for this transformation to occur, they had to be chosen by God. They had to be believers in Jesus Christ. They had to make that decision as God allowed them to. Uh, to uh, come to know Him through faith in Christ. And so they were an elect church. And they were an example church. In other words, they were a church that other people looked at. And at one time, they were imitating the ones who had led them to the Lord. Paul and Silvanus and, and Timothy. And now, others were seeing things in them, characteristics of Christ in them as they lived out their Christian life and they were being imitated. They were being noticed. And not only were they imitators, but they had become the imitation to follow Christ's likeness. But this all happened because of them being empowered. They were in the empowered church. And that's what we're going to be looking at in this message at this time. It says, Knowing brethren beloved by God, His choice of you, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. These believers at Thessalonica, they were authentic, as I've mentioned. They were genuine. They were real because they received and were empowered by the word of God. They had received the authentic message 
Not some message shared by uh, some religion or cult that is not the, uh, does not contain the truth. They receive the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. And that's what they did. They received Jesus Christ as their Savior. They heard about Him and they received Him and they, they were allowing the Spirit of God to change their life. They were people of the book. Now, the question that we need to ask as churches and as individuals are, are we people of the book? Are we churches of the book? Are we empowered by and challenged by God's Word? Are we genuine believers? Some people call it the good book. It reminds me of a story I heard about a preacher who was visiting this home. And while visiting the home, the mother and child were sitting in the living room. And the preacher was talking to them. And the mother began to try and act spiritual and try and impress the preacher. And she began to talk about how she revered the good book, she called it. She talked about how important it was to her and her family. And she talked about how often they went to it for information. And as she was talking, she turned to her daughter, little daughter, and she uh, said, Hun, you run and get the good book. Bring the good book that we so love and we cherish. The, the good book that we're always looking at and reading. The, the good book that we look at for guidance. Go get the good book that we enjoy so much and bring it in here. Child got up with enthusiasm, ran into the next room, came back quickly, sat down on the couch, and handed her mother the Sears catalog. Well, what is a good book in our homes? Is it some catalog? Is it some, uh, you know, uh, cooking guide? Is it some uh, golf digest book is it some readers digest is it sports illustrated is it some love magazine teen magazine these believers were authentic because they had recognized and received the message as the absolute truth that came from God's word the book they were allowing the word of God to change their lives as they were abiding in it. And it's not just having a book. A lot of us can have this Bible and leave it in the car and the, tur the pages turn up from the sun beating down on it as we throw it in the back seat or throw it up in the window uh, uh, part up there. It can be put in a closet. It can, it can gather dust. It's not just having it. It's not some magical thing to have. It's a book that we need to abide in. The words uh, allowing them to, to touch our lives and the Holy Spirit use them and that them come alive to us. You see, they were abiding in Christ and His words were abiding in them. They had that ongoing relationship. So they were empowered with the Word of God. With the Thessalonian believers, God's Word did not come in word only but in power by conviction from the Holy Spirit. 
that should make us question when we study the Word, whether it's in a private personal study or in a public gathering, you know, like worship or some big Bible study, how do we approach the Word of God? Do we come just to hear from the Word? Do we come to make some neat little comment or insight that we may think that we've, we've gained from someone or, or something? Do we come just to, to, to read through it? Do we come for some devotional aspect of it? Or do we come to really allow it to convict us and change us? Do we approach it that way? Are we ready and willing for the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God, take those words, speak to us, convict us, and change us, challenge us? As mentioned earlier, this is another reason why praying is so important. They were, they were prayer warriors. They were praying. They were praying and uh, they were a praying church, and that's why it's so important for us to pray. We need to be in touch with God for this to happen. It doesn't happen just on our own. We need to ask God to touch our lives by way of the Holy Spirit. We need to be praying when we come to Sunday school. We need to be praying when we listen to the Word of God being preached. We need to be praying that God will touch our lives with His Word. And not only our lives, but those lives around us. We need to be praying that God will heal relationships because He's the one who can truly heal them. We need to be praying that God will heal family problems for He is the one who can do it. We need to be praying that God will heal our nation. For He is the only one who can really do it. We need to be praying for God to heal those who have been broken and bruised by sin. It is the Word and the Holy Spirit. Not just the Word, or not just the Holy Spirit, but the Word and the Holy Spirit. That God uses to change our lives. It is the power of God working through those channels. Through the Word of God by way of His Spirit. But do we believe the good book as that woman said? As some of us refer to it. Do we believe that it really works? Do we believe the Bible works? Well... If we do, then may I ask, why is it that so many people usually wait to the last thing before they relate their, their situation to God and His Word? Paul said in verse 5, it came in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. Now, do we really believe that? Oh, I, I know that we'd say, oh yes, we believe it. But do we really believe it? Think about it. Why is it that so many so-called believers today tiptoe around the Word of God so much and leave it out of their life as much as possible 
and don't rely on it to change them and work in and through them on a regular basis. I think the reason that the Word of God is not read that much and adhered to that much is because it's probably not believed in that much. And therefore, it hasn't done anything in that person's life because they haven't allowed God to do anything in their life. We had some members here that are with the Lord right now. O.C. and Helen Howington. They were big in, in vitamins and especially Juice Plus. And I was talking with some other members in our church, Jenny and Jen, uh, Jimmy Parham. And they really got caught up in that. They, why did they do that when others did not? Well, they did because they saw how it changed O.C. and Helen's life, how it helped them. They did the research. They saw that it had made a difference, and they wanted that difference in their life. Now, others may have tried it briefly and gave up. They, they may not have done the research like Jimmy and Jenny did and others that really got into it. Or they may have approached it and not really believe that it was going to do anything to begin with. And they were just kind of manipulated into the process. That's the way a lot of believers are today. Or so-called believers. We really don't study the information. We really don't intend to stick with it. We... we uh, get all hyped up about hearing about what it's doing to other people and what it's done for other people. But we never allow it to be applied to our lives. It may be because we were manipulated into making a decision that we really didn't believe in. Not completely. Still others try and give up because they just don't give it a chance. But for those like this church who were genuine, those who did try and continued to use the Word of God, they saw results in their life and others saw results in their life. A person who abides in Christ and has His words abide in them has the opportunity to see God's work at, uh, and His words work in their life. They get uh, to personally experience it in a unique and wonderful way, in a genuine way. They get to see the healing of relationships. They get to see the strengthening of marriages. They get to see the empowering of, of spiritual lives. You see, they who are in the Word, they're not ashamed of the Word. They believe in the Word. They experience they have experienced the Word, and they stand true to the Word. Paul had no problem going to Thessalonica. He had no problem going there with the Word of God because he knew what had happened to him on the Damascus Road. And the very same thing that had happened to him by hearing Christ speak to him, the same transforming power could happen to them. And it did. 
Paul knew God and his word could transform that city into kingdom working people. And he certainly worked in quite a few of them. Thessalonica was not going to settle for a watered down, easy believism type of comfortable, feel good type of gospel, which so many want today. We don't want a challenge. We don't want a commitment. We don't want a sacrifice. We don't want a change. Just leave us be. Let us be comfortable. When we let the wrong things be example for us, then we settle down for a watered-down version. When we look at churches, they're drawing huge crowds. We need to see the genuine parts of it. Is that what is drawing these people? We too often want to offer you know, programs without teaching them the word and the real cost of discipleship. We need to inform believers that Christianity is not for snowflakes. There will be tribulations. Matter of fact, one way to reveal our authenticity is with tribulations. How do we face difficult times? Can we face them, as Paul talks about, with joy? Now, what is he talking about? You know, oh man, I I enjoyed these tribulations. No. Paul's telling us that the Thessalonians face their external tribulation, their persecution with an internal stability. They had that security, that joy deep down that said, hey, doesn't matter what they do. They can even take our life. We can die for the cause. We can lose everything. But we know deep down that we have that eternal hope. And no one can take that away from us. We could say that if nobody has ever been rejected by others because of the gospel, because of their stand for Christ, if nobody has ever opposed that person for standing for Christ, then maybe they're not standing for anything. I know people come along and we're afraid that they're going to say, oh, you're just too old-fashioned or you're too dogmatic. I don't want to have anything to do with you. You're not a part of us. You're too fundamental. You need to learn to compromise and to bend. Times have changed. You're not going with the flow. You're not progressive enough. I know people will come and say that. Especially if you're standing true to God's truth and you're not compromising, you're not bending. These Thessalonian believers, they were that way. They were not bending. They were not compromising. It didn't matter what was brought their way. Deep down, they had that internal stability they were not only empowered by the word of God but because they were empowered by the word of God it came by empowerment by the spirit of God for our gospel did not come to you in word only but also in power and in the Holy Spirit I'm afraid that the word of God is just going out with as mere words to too many people today this is why we need to be praying praying ahead of time 
praying when we come to services, when we go to Sunday school classes, when we go to Bible studies, when, before we ever go. And when we're there, praying that God's Word, which is alive, will come alive to them. That they will be quickened and will come alive to us. That we will be quickened by His Spirit through His Word. It says, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Word of God came to them energized by the Holy Spirit. It was alive and active, just like Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit and both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It took hold of them and was allowed to work in them and change them. How did it happen? God's Word is alive and active and with the Holy Spirit illuminating it to them, it was able to take root and grow and change them. Many of us don't seem to uh, see that happening in lives and maybe even in our lives. Well, our problem as finite human beings is that we need to be lifted to a higher criteria. Uh, We need to be lifted to a higher realm, a sphere. We need to be lifted to the realm or the realm of the Spirit. This happens when the Holy Spirit, by His unlimited power, takes us into that realm where God is. In the heavenly places in Christ, Ephesians tells us. Can you lift a ton by yourself? Certainly not. I know I can't. Why? Well, my problem is not necessarily just me. My problem is I'm in the wrong realm to do it. The realm of the law of gravity. But if I entered outer space, that would be different. I'd be in a higher realm where the law of gravity doesn't work or operate. The reason why we have such difficulty with our problems and our tribulations is because we're living in the realm of our five senses, of our old self. The Holy Spirit wants to take us to the upper realm of the spiritual places. God wants the Holy Spirit to enable us to bring about His spiritual kingdom here on earth. And this spiritual kingdom is to to represent what the kingdom will look like when Jesus comes to rule and reign in His glory. Now God's kingdom is to be a representation of that rule and reign when God controls all. When we become a part of God's kingdom, you see the concept is that we are are to come under His control. He's the king. He's the ruler. We're the rulees. And it is His rulership that we're to submit to in our marriages, with our marriages, our homes, our workplace, our church, our everyday life. God does not want you bringing your rules into his house to take over. It's like when we raise our children. We have certain rules and guidelines for them as they grow up. It's for their best benefit. 
They are the children and we are the adults. God didn't make it so that they could bring their little kingdom to rule in our homes. The ultimate goal as a church is not itself, but the kingdom. Our Father, which art in heaven, how be thy name. What does he want? Thy kingdom come, thy rule, thy control be done here on earth. The ultimate goal of church is not itself. It's the kingdom. If we want to see the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to be involved in the kingdom. And when we are heavenly minded, then we can live heavenly lives. Pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy rule be done here as it is in heaven. The power of the Holy Spirit is evident that in that God creates a powerful people, if we'll let him, who have powerful presence, if we allow him to have us have that, carrying out his powerful program as we're obedient to him if we let him the holy spirit will change us he will change our personality and he'll bring about a real genuine change the holy spirit can change a a a violent husband into a a gentle loving husband he can change a a workaholic parent into a family man he can change a nagging angry wife or spouse whichever it might be into a submissive, loving helpmate. We don't need to be looking for power. You have all the power you need in the person of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. You see, many of us are going nowhere in our spiritual lives, not because there is something wrong with the Holy Spirit, but because we have not engaged His power. But if we want to experience more of the Spirit's power, then we must have Or he must have more of us. We've got all of him. He must have more of us. And the key to enjoying the Spirit's power is obedience. Obedience to God allows the Holy Spirit to empower us because through obedience we're joining with the Spirit's agenda. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy rule here on earth as it is in heaven. And that agenda glorifies God as we carry it out. When we're making choices in our life based on glorifying Christ, then we automatically see the Spirit change us. Now, automatic doesn't mean immediate. It is a process. When transformation comes, victory follows. Victory will occur in the area where You've tasted defeat. Joy will will begin to replace misery and harmony will start to replace conflict. Power will occur where there was no power. We must be allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us. With transformation comes a passion to glorify Christ. And that's what will make us happy. That desire, that passion to glorify Christ. You see, for this to happen, we've got to remember that the Holy Spirit is very sensitive. In Ephesians 4, 25 through 32, 
This list of things deal primarily with our relationship with other members in the family of God. And that tells us that we can grieve the Holy Spirit, not lose our salvation, but the enjoyment of that salvation, the fellowship of the Spirit. When we are obeying God and and we're glorifying uh, Christ, the Holy Spirit will bring us joy because that will be our passion and we'll be pleased and it'll bless our hearts even in the midst of tribulation. Having received the Word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. The Word and the Holy Spirit had changed them. They knew that obeying it meant glorifying Christ. That was their passion. They desired to glorify Christ more than anything else. Is that our desire? For them, persecution could have meant loss of work, loss of uh, health, loss of family, loss of friends, and even loss of life. That did not matter to them, though. They wanted to imitate Paul, Silas, Timothy, and ultimately Christ himself. They wanted to be like Jesus in pleasing God. In Hebrews 12, 2, For the joy set before him, he, Christ, endured the cross, despising shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. As the followers of Christ in Thessalonica committed themselves to honoring and glorifying God through obedience, they experienced the power of the Holy Spirit and the joy that came with that as they pleased God. Let's pray. Father, help us to be a people. Help us to be churches who are not walking just by our five senses in the old flesh, depending upon our reasoning, depending upon our power, but help us to be a people, a church, who are empowered by the Word and the Spirit, living a life that sees God working in a miraculous way, a way that we could never have done it, bringing honor and glory to Him in His name. And may it bring joy to us because we know that we're pleasing Him and glorifying Him. Help us to be a genuine church, authentic church, a real church, full of authentic, genuine, real people. In Jesus' name, amen.